continue our series on Matchmaker. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter number 24. Genesis 24, and I'm going to read from that chapter in just a few moments. But I want to do this today. I want to go back to last week and just review a little bit. We started this little mini-series that I'm going to end today talking about evangelism. And I entitled it Matchmaker because I I said kind of jokingly, for some reason, every pastor that I've ever met just enjoys playing matchmaker. I I had something interesting even as I was was preparing for this week's message. On Wednesday night, I I drove to a, a service and was able to hear Bishop Tony Miller. We're part of a, a, a fellowship of churches called Destiny Fellowship, and the head of that organization, that fellowship is called Bishop Tony Miller. He's been with us on many occasions, and many of you have heard him preach before. And so I went over there, and then afterwards, we went out to dinner with Bishop and a few ministers, and he was sitting right across from me, and he sat down at the table. There were some young people that were there with them, and he just immediately said, hmm, got some young people here. And he opened up the menu and he was kind of laughing. He goes, hmm, I might need to hook some people up. And I thought, there it is. It's not just me. It's just like every pastor wants to just, you know, play matchmaker. And I know some of you are like that as well, but, but I'm talking about a different kind of matchmaker. I'm talking about where we go out and we find those who are lost away from God. And we tell them about a guy that will meet every need that they have, that will never disappoint them, never fail them. Hey, I know somebody that you would find to be a perfect match, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen? Amen. So we want to talk about that today and and just kind of continue. Last week we read a scripture. I want to read it to you again today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from the New Living Translation. I just want to read it. It says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Paul is writing. He says, hey, we've been given the message, or or the New King James says the ministry. We're actually in ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. This is our responsibility, to reconcile people back to Jesus Christ. We're actually God's ambassadors, the Bible says. We're the ones that need to say, hey, I know a guy. His name is Jesus. You should meet him. And so that's what our job is. That's what our responsibility is. We are Christ ambassadors. Amen. And so you have a job. You have a responsibility. We're supposed to be pleading. Hey, let me tell you about this person named Jesus. And so we talked about from Genesis 24, because the entire chapter takes up the story of of a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham had a son named Isaac, and it was about time for Isaac to get married. And so Abraham calls his servant, and he says to his servant, hey, can you go find a bride for my son? But don't look here among these people. I want you to go back to the country where we were born, where we're from. I want you to go find a young lady there, bring her back here, and she's going to marry my son. 
And so we talked about how that conversation took place. Let me just give you, give you a couple points that we talked about last week. We said, number one, how do we develop a heart or gain a heart for the lost? And the first thing is this. We have to understand that there is an urgency of time. The Bible says Abraham was old. He wanted to see, see this thing happen with his eyes. Time, time is ticking away and none of us are promised tomorrow. In fact, the Bible says that life is literally like a vapor, vapor. You know, this is about the time when we see kids graduating, right? Kids graduating from high school and, you know, I get little reminders on my Facebook. My son graduated last year. My daughter's graduating next year and and then I got one that's a long ways off, okay? Long ways off, but... But, you know, when they graduate, you just think to yourself, where did the time go? It just seemed like yesterday they were just kind of toddlers running around. And, and then, you know, just no teeth in the front because they lost them. And, and then the next thing you know, they're walking down an aisle with a cap and gown. And you think, where did the time go? Time goes. It's here one minute and gone the next. And that's true of your unsaved friends and loved ones. So we talked about the urgency of time, and then we said there's also an urgency of the assignment. In fact, in the story in Genesis 24, you find that Abraham actually says to his servant, put your hand under my thigh and swear an oath to me. Now, I'm grateful that now we just put our hands on a Bible or raise them up, right? But back then, they would put their hand under a thigh, all right? And that meant that, hey, man, this thing is serious. In other words, don't come back without the mission being accomplished. And then we also talked about last week the urgency of a lost soul. That there's a lost soul out there. And without intervention, they will die and be away from God for eternity. So let's continue the series today and let's continue reading from Genesis chapter number 24. And I want to start in verse number 10. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis 24 verse 10, and and we're going to put these scriptures up on the screen. It says this, then the servant, this is after he's been commissioned to go, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you've shown kindness to my master. This servant, many people believe, theologians believe that it was a servant by the name of Eleazar. And so Eleazar takes off and, and, and immediately he grabs 10 camels and watch this, those are his master's camels and he loads those camels down with his master's goods, okay? And he goes off on this journey and when he arrives at the location, he sees 
a, a well and it was about the time when women would go out to draw water. So he sees women just coming and going to this well and he says a prayer and he says, okay, Lord, here's my prayer. My prayer is that I'm going to go up to one of these young ladies and I'm going to say to them, can you draw water for my camels, 10 camels? And whoever says back to me, not only will I draw water for, for you, actually, I should say, then I'm also going to draw it for your camels. So, so he kind of throws out this fleece before God. He says, okay, God, I'm just going to kind of say it. I'm going to say, hey, can you give me something to drink? And she's going to voluntarily offer water, not just for me, but also for my camels, right? Let her be the one. I'm going to know that she's the one. And that's exactly what happens And we'll talk about the rest of the story in a minute. But let me just tell you the fourth point because I want to share it with you today. And the fourth point is this. You were were actually loaded to unload. You were loaded down to unload. What I mean by that is this. Listen, the servant had whose goods? His masters. What were they for? Well, some of the goods were for him. It was a long journey and so he'd need water. He would need food. And so he would need these kind of supplies to go through life or go through the journey. But then, and as you go on to read the rest of Genesis 24, when he meets Rebecca, when he goes back to Rebecca's house, to her family, he takes out the gold, linens, silver, I mean, all these precious jewels and says, hey, my master is rich. This guy, Isaac, he's ripped. He's got a six pack. He's a catch, okay? And he's loaded down. He's loaded, okay? He's going to inherit millions. This is the guy that that you want your daughter, Rebecca, to marry. And so listen now. Some of the goods were for the servant to make his way through the journey. And then some of the goods were for the bride. Now, that's true of all of us. Lest you think that God gave you the talent... God gave you the ability that you have. God gave you the resources. Lest you think that the money that's in the bank is yours for your discretion, that the business that he gave you, that everything, the wisdom, all that you have, if you think that it is for you, you are mistaken. You have been loaded down to unload. I'm going to say it again. You have been loaded down... God gave you everything that you have so that you can unload it, right? It's not he who dies with the most toys wins. It's not I'm just going to plan for the next vacation. It's not I'm living for the weekend. It's not I'm just here to collect. I'm just here to consume. I'm just here to hoard. No, God gives you everything that you have because he expects you to give it out. Can I get a good amen? You're loaded down with his stuff. (laughs) Hallelujah. I have to remind my family, everything in the house, none of it's yours. The room's not yours. The car isn't yours. The phone isn't yours. None of it's yours. We just have to go through this ownership issue every now and then. And you know, the same is true of us as Christians. We have to go through this ownership issue every now and then that it's not my stuff. I get extra money. What do I do with it? Well, I just go, hey, what can I do with this money? No, let me say what God wants me to do with it because it's not my money. It's his money. 
That's why it's easy for me to tithe. I said, it's easy for me to tithe because it's not my money. The people who struggle with tithing still think it's their money. It's quiet. I got quiet in here. Some of y'all, why do we have one service anyway? The people who struggle with giving and being generous still think it's their stuff. No, it's not mine. It's God's. Everything that we have belongs to God's. This servant said, yeah, it's all my master's. Now, I get to use some of it. Doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life. When he needed something to drink, guess what? He took a drink. When he needed something to eat, guess what? He took something to eat. He said, yeah, I, this is, I'm on a journey. I'm going through life. Here, I'm on this journey. And so everything that I need, the master's provided for me. But not all of it is mine. Some of it I've been loaded down with to reach out to find my master, a bride for his son. So the talents and the abilities, the gifts that God's given you, huh? The voice and the, the hands and the wisdom, all that you have isn't just so you can collect, right? It's so that you can give out. Amen. Amen. So we're loaded down to unload. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus actually said this. He was telling a story about the kingdom of heaven. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is going out to a far country. This is Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going out to a far country. And he called all of his servants together. Now watch this. And he delivered to the servants his goods. Whose goods? His goods. His goods. In the expectation that they would take what he gave them and increase it for his benefit. Hallelujah. Amen. Because one day, let me tell you, watch this, because if you go on to read that story, that parable, one day we give an account. I said, one day we're going to give an account. One day we're going to stand before God. One day we're going to have to stand And say, God, here is what I have with what you gave me. Amen. You gave me this talent, this ability. You gave me the ability to do this, this, and this. And now, here is what I have to show for it. Amen. So we should be reaching out, doing all that we can to invest our time, our talents, and our money into his kingdom, you were loaded down to unload. And the fifth thing is this. The fifth thing is that never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate it. It wasn't long ago that an article came out in the New York Times And a big headline shocked those of us in the Christian community because it says, we are tired of hearing about thoughts and prayers. And it was the first time, and it was after a shooting, it was the first time that somebody really was brazen enough to attack prayer. Now, I understand that maybe their motive, because I don't know them, I don't know the writer, I don't know their motive, 
And maybe the writer had, had a real motive to say, hey, we need action, not just prayer. But do you see that the enemy, regardless of what that person's motive is, the enemy has another motive. And the enemy's motive is to discount, diminish, and ultimately do away with prayer. Do you see what the enemy's trying to do? You say, well, pastor, we need action. Absolutely, we need action. We're not just praying. We have to put feet to our prayers, right? We have to have prayer both on the front end and prayer on the back end. But we have to believe in the power of prayer, amen? That prayer changes things, hallelujah. See, here's what James chapter 5, verse 16 says. It says this, that the prayer of a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has power. It has power and has wonderful results. You have to continue to believe that, that I'm not just praying to pray. I'm not just checking a box. I'm not just saying, well, I fulfilled my five-minute or ten-minute duty. I'm not just blessing the Lord for my food, but I am living a life where I talk to God, communicate to God, and it is making a huge difference because prayer is power. Somebody say amen. We have to believe in the power of prayer. And the world may try to dismiss it and say that it's not necessary, that, 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 that it's doing no good, that it's, that it's empty. I'm here to tell you there's power in prayer. And you watch this story because here we have a servant who shows up at a location. Watch this. He shows up at a location and he sees all these women coming and going to the well to draw water. And he, he sets the camels down and the camels kneel and, and then he says to himself, okay, now, which one is it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, you can just kind of go, well, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and let's just pick one and anyone will do. Let's just try the redhead over there. I mean, he could just pick one, but that's not what he did. Watch this. He actually saw all these women coming and going to the well and watch what he did. He stopped and he prayed. And he said, God, I need to know which one it is. I need you to lead me to the right person. Because there's one that you have set aside for my master's son. And I want to make sure I bring back the right one. So here's my prayer today, God. If I ask her for something to drink and she voluntarily says, and I'll also draw water for your camels, I'll know that she's the one. And that's exactly what he did. And he didn't just pray. He put feet to his prayers because he went up to her and said, would you give me something to drink? Right? But it all started with prayer. It was David Wilkerson who said this, every soul one on the street is first one in prayer. Pray, pray. And I know that some of you might be here and you say, well, pastor, I've, I've prayed for my my son, I've prayed for my daughter, I've prayed for my, my, my unbelieving spouse, I've prayed for my coworker, and it just seems to be doing no good. That's the enemy's lie to you today. Don't believe the lie. I've heard the same words. I'm here to tell you that you keep praying. You may not see it tomorrow. You may not see it next week, but you have to believe in the power of prayer. God leads you through prayer. Now, I want to talk to you and end this with with talking to you about the greatest witnessing tool that you could ever have. Because I don't want to just talk to you about, about, you know, hey, 
it's necessary and, and you should do it, right? Because we've made a commitment even as a church, and I hope you made the commitment that at the end of the year, you're going to extend an invite for somebody to come to this church. And we've set out the challenge at the beginning of the year that one person, we want every person to commit to inviting one person that by the end of the year, they'll be sitting in an empty seat, an empty seat, because I extended an invitation, right? And so I hope you're out there inviting people, encouraging people. But I want to talk to you about how, how do I know what to say and how do I know when to say it, and who to say it to. And so I, I, I brought my phone up here this morning just kind of as a tool, right? And you say, well, pastor, is this the greatest witnessing tool? No, but it helps. I mean, phones are good, right? We could text and communicate and call. But I want to give you this example today because here's what happens when you pray. Here's what happens when you pray. When you pray, you tune in to the greatest witnessing tool that you have, and he is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the greatest witnessing tool that you have. And I have on many occasions been walking and just kind of minding my own business, and it's as if the phone started to ring. It's as if I'm, I'm walking along and internally, now listen, not physically, but internally in my heart, the Holy Spirit is actually trying to get my attention the same as if he would actually call me up on the phone and he would just call me up and say, hey, Brian, you see that person over there? You need to say something to them. Extend an invite. They're going through something. Pray for them. And you might be going through work and you might sit at a cubicle and you might have invited somebody 10 times, 20 times. You might have talked to them about God time and time again. And you say, hey, I already did that. But the Holy Spirit, listen, when you pray, you line up with the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit then says, okay, here's somebody that I can talk to that's going to heed my voice. And the Holy Spirit will call you internally. And he'll say, right now, now, do it right now. Say it right now. And he'll give you the exact words to say. Let me end with this story to give you kind of a, a, a reference point for what I'm saying today. You might have seen a show on TV called Life Today with James and Betty Robinson. And James Robinson told this story that years ago, he was going door to door, just knocking on doors and evangelizing and just witnessing and telling people about Christ. And he went to this one door and he knocked on the door. Nobody answered and he just walked away. And he just got a few feet from the door, started to walk down the steps and the Holy Spirit said, turn around and knock again. Listen, it's as if the Holy Spirit called him on the phone. It said, turn around and knock again. And he got in a little conversation with the Holy Spirit and he said to the Holy Spirit, hey, I knocked. I tried it. Nobody's home. The Holy Spirit said, you go back and you knock again. You knock again. And so he goes back and he knocks again and nobody answers the phone or the door. And he walks away and he gets down. This time he gets to the sidewalk and the Holy Spirit says, hey, turn around. Knock again. And he goes back to the door thinking, what am I doing? And he knocks again. And this time a man rips the door open and says, what do you want? 
And James looks at him and says, I'm here to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. And the man just breaks down and just starts weeping and begins to tell James a story. And he says to James, he said, just this moment, I've been standing in my basement on a chair with a noose around my neck, ready to end it all. And I heard the knock, and I took the noose from around the neck, and I just waited for the knocking to stop. And when it stopped, I put the noose back around my neck, and I started to muster up the courage to end my life again. But then I heard another knock, and I took the noose off, and I just waited for the knocking to stop. And when it stopped, I put the noose around my neck, and I knew this is it. I'm going to end my life. And then the knocking started again. He said, and I finally said to myself, well, I might as well go see who it is. And that's when he opened the door. He surrendered his life to Christ, and God changed his life. And God changed James' life right then and there. You see, that's how important it is for us to tune in to the Holy Spirit, for us to listen to his voice. If he calls us on our internal phone and says, now is the time to extend an invitation. Now is the time to reach out. Now is the time to offer prayer and just say, hey, can I pray with you about that? That you answer the phone because you never know what's going on the other side. Would you bow your heads, heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard today. I'm here to tell you that God has commissioned us as ambassadors. That we're to play matchmaker. And I can't stress to you enough the importance of the job, the ministry that God has given you today. There's an urgency about what we're doing. There's a necessity. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just trying to win points so that when we get to heaven, we get jewels and a crown. And all of that happens way more than anything we gain on the other side of eternity or even in this life. There are souls, there are lives. And if we don't reach out to them, if we don't extend an invitation, if we don't say, hey, now is the time for me to say something, do something, take what God has given me. I've been loaded down to collect, to consume. No, I've been loaded down to unload. I have to give out. I have a purpose. It's not about what I like to do in life. It's not even about what I can do in life. It's about what I'm supposed to do in this life.